Good morning to each of you. Thank you again for having me and my family this morning. It is a wonderful pleasure to be with you on this Lord's Day. Will you open the Word of God this morning to the Gospel according to John, the first chapter and verse 18. Here the word of the living and the true God reads, No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. Now there is much in this verse that we, we will not have time to touch on today, and that is not the point of my message. The point of this morning's mes message is that the Lord Jesus Christ declared the Father. He declared the Father. This world has chosen, just as just, uh, we touched on it this morning, that, that this is Father's Day. The world has chosen to honor fathers on this day. Our Heavenly Father is one to not be forgotten, is to not be forgotten on Father's Day. While it, the, father, the Father's Day may mainly be focused on earthly fathers, let us remember our Heavenly, our Heavenly Father. The Lord Jesus did declare Him. Let us see what it is that he declared and that there may be an exhortation for us earthly fathers to, to begin to understand what it is that the Lord Jesus declared. Let's examine this word declared. What, did, what does it mean? Where does it come from? What do we receive from it? This Greek term, exogeomai is where we get our term exegesis, which is a, what the theologians use to describe reading out of the text. When you are exegeting the text, you are letting the text speak for itself, and you are just interpreting what the text states. There's no, no need to insert anything into it that is eisegesis, exegesis out of the text, eisegesis into the text. Exegeomai, made him known. He declared him. He, draw, he drew out in narrative, as this word could also be rendered as it does mean. Ox, the Oxford Universal Dictionary, which is a very good dictionary, I recommend it if you're looking for a paper dictionary. They can't change paper. If you've noticed, they change definitions in our day. They can't change paper. That's why they used to burn books. They can change the internet in a heartbeat. They can't change a paper book that is, in, uh, uh, that is in your bookshelf. The Oxford Universal Dictionary describes or, or defines exegesis as the explanation or the exposition, especially of the scriptures. A very good definition for our, for our use today. He made his father known unto his people. He has declared him. He has made him known. He has ex, ex, uh, exposed him, explained him unto us. And it is because of the Lord Jesus that we can know, that we know the Father. It is because of the Lord Jesus that we know that we are known of the Father. Come to Galatians chapter 4 very quickly. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 9. But now, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God. Now, the, the Apostle Paul is offering a rebuke to the Galatians for having followed the Judaizers. Uh, but nevertheless, God's people are known of him. And it's not a simple 
simple knowledge that is being spoken of. It is a, a, an intimate knowledge. We, we read elsewhere that Adam knew Eve, and when we read that Mary had not known a man. We know what's being spoken of. It is not just simple knowledge that's being spoken of. Same way with those. Sorry, I've, there we go. Can you hear me better now? <laughs> it is not just simple knowledge. It is an intimate knowledge that God knows his people with. He knows all things simply, but he loves his people intimately. Very different knowledge that is being spoken of. Now, let's come to Matthew chapter 11. The gospel according to Matthew chapter 11 as we begin to examine what it is that the Lord Jesus declared about the Father unto us. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 25. He declared that the Father reveals things to his children. Matthew 11 and 25. And at that time Jesus, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wide and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Now that's, that's, a, scary, that's a scary topic right there, that the Lord God has the right and the ability to hide things from, the, from those that consider themselves wise and prudent and reveal them unto not just not, not babes, not infants, but those that consider themselves infants, babes, dependent upon another. We understand what the Lord Jesus is talking about, those fathers that are here and mothers. We understand that our, that our children, as they get older, they, they become less dependent. But here he's not talking about being, becoming less dependent upon God. Those that consider themselves not dependent upon God. That is the wise and prudent. Those that are dependent upon God are considered the babes. Even so, why did he do it? Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. Because he was pleased to do so. He has not chosen the wise. He has not chosen the mighty, the strong. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He has not chosen the mighty things of this world, but he has abased. He has humbled the mighty things of this world, chosen the simple things, chosen, chosen those that are not mighty. It is a wonderful thing to know that it is the Lord God that reveals these things unto us. It is he who opens our eyes. Come to Matthew chapter 16. Even our professions, even, even us understanding the truth of his word, who the Lord Jesus Christ is. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 17. And Jesus answered, well, we'll back up and get the context. Verse 13, when Jesus came to the coasts of, of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that the Son of Man, I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, or, 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 or others Jeremiah, or Jeremiah, one of the, or one of the prophets. They say you're, you're a prophet, you're, you're one of these other prophets that has come Come to declare these things to us. And he saith unto them, But whom say ye, all of you, his disciples, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are not just a mere prophet. You are not just Isaiah or Jeremiah or Elijah or Elisha, one of the prophets. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father, 
which is in heaven. It is not something that he was told. The Lord Jesus didn't say to him, I'm the Christ, the son of the living God. His father in heaven revealed it to him. It wasn't something that the Lord Jesus had taught Peter. It is something that his father revealed unto him. It is something he opened his eyes to see. And I say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock will I build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Peter, Petros, small pebble, upon this rock, Petra, Gibraltar-like stone. It's not talking about Peter. It's talking about the statement that Peter made. It's talking about the fact that he is the Christ, the son of the living God, is what he will build his church upon. He will continue to build it is the idea. He will continue to heap up the church unto completion and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, one thing you do with gates is you don't take gates into battle. Gates are not an offensive weapon. Gates are a defensive weapon. So what is, what is that implying that the Lord Jesus is doing with his church? It is an offensive. It is an offensive thing that he is doing. He is taking his people back from the kingdom of darkness into and bringing them into his marvelous light. He, the, the, the Father, our Heavenly Father, reveals these things unto us. One thing to note, back in Matthew, Matthew, uh, 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 what was it, is it 13, where all the parables are spoken? Yes, back in, back in Matthew 13 and verse 16, we note that they had already been born again. We note that they had already been given ears to hear and eyes to see. But it is not until 16 that he reveals his understanding of the truth of who the Lord Jesus is. Verse 16 of Matthew 13, But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see and have not seen them, and to hear those things which ye hear and have not heard them. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower, and he declares what it is, that the interpretation upon the parable. They had already been given ears to hear and eyes to see, and it is not until later that they understand the full truth of who the Lord Jesus Christ is, the Christ, the Son of the living God. So we come, we come to the next point. Our Heavenly Father, not only does he reveal things to us, he opens our eyes to the scriptures that we may understand what is spoken of, what is being spoken of, and how we are to uh, apply and what we are to believe in this life. But he also rewards us for that work, for applying those things, for walking in his ways. Come to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 1. Take heed, this is the Lord Jesus in the sermon, the sermon on the Mount, which I understand back in chapter 5, I understand that many of our modern theologians say that the Lord Jesus was preaching to the multitudes. He, I assure you, he was not. Back in Matthew chapter 5, in verse 1, And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them his disciples, not the multitude. He taught his disciples this lesson. The longest sermon that the Lord Jesus Christ gave is here in Matthew's, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. Verse 1 of chapter 6, Take heed that you do not alms before men to be seen of them. He is teaching his disciples, don't do that. Don't do that. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Because you will have your reward by, by the, the, uh, giving the alms in front of men that men may praise you. 
you will have your reward there. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. They would come in and say, look at what I'm about to give to the synagogue. Look at me. Look at all that I'm about to do. Give me the glory. Blow some trumpets. Declare to the people how great I am. The Lord Jesus says, don't do that. Don't make, don't make a, big, a big hubbub about it. Don't, don't do that like the hypocrites do. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. They sought the glory of men and they were given the glory of men. They did not care to be given glory by God. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. Is obviously our hands don't know anything. It is, our, it is us as an entire person that knows everything that we're doing. He's saying, make it so, uh, uh, make it so secretive. Don't, tell, don't, don't even tell your, your left hand what your right hand is doing. He's exaggerating for effect. That thine alms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. The Father sees everything. He sees everything that goes on. When you give your alms in secret, when, when, when you give your offerings, and you're not declaring it before men like the hypocrites were, the Father will reward you openly. If you're declaring it before, before men like the hypocrites do, look at me, look at how much I just gave. You have your reward. You have your reward. But the Lord Jesus says, don't do that. Verse 5, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corner of the streets, that they may be seen of men. That is their desire, that they may be seen of men. Now, one, uh, whenever I was reading this, I thought, well, that's what the, the preacher stands before men, and he preaches the word of God. But if I could stand over there behind a curtain and you didn't know who it was, I'd be happy to do it that way too. This is how the Lord, Je- this is how the Lord has laid out uh, how the preaching of the word is to be done. I don't care that you look at me. I care that you understand the word of God. And that, that is what the Lord has set me to do. Verily, I say unto you, they have their reward. When they do it to be seen of men, they have their reward. That's what they're seeking to accomplish. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. When thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret. And thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Now, he's not, he's not actually saying you have to go into a closet. He's just saying don't declare it before men. Don't pray before men to be seen of men. We pray. We have prayer meetings at our church, and you, you may very well have the same thing. They did it in the book of Acts when they were praying for Peter to be released from prison. And the Lord miraculously led him out of prison a, a, just to note that is civil disobedience incited by God just just so just so you're aware of what that text teaches he is not he is not uh, mal- malicious civil di- disobedience but civil disobedience there incited by the Lord God himself but here they and they were praying openly they were not doing it to be seen of men that is what the hypocrites do they desire to be seen of men, they desire for men to heap into their bosoms glory and wow, you're so great! And look at your phylacteries; they enlarge them. Look at how much scripture I've memorized. We don't need any of that. We don't need any of that. We don't need the glory of men. We seek to do what God has sent us to do, and we seek to pray to the Father 
in secret. That not that men may, may see us do what we're doing and, and heap glory unto us. Come Drop down to verses 16 through 18. Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. If you ever fast, by the way, a biblical fast is because either you're before God in his holy mount and, you're, and, and you don't have time to eat because you're working, or you are distraught over what is going on, or, there, or there's a famine. It wasn't ever to lose weight, though they did. It wasn't ever to lose weight, though they did. But those who would fast and, oh, I'm just so in pain. The hunger pains are horrible. I, I've fasted for six hours or three days or, oh, it's so bad. They disfigure their faces that they may be seen of men. That men may say, wow, look at his holiness. Look at how sanctified he is. The Lord Jesus says they have their reward. Don't do that. Don't, don't do those things to be seen of men. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face, that, they, that thou may appear, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy father, which is in secret, and thy father, which seek, seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. Our father rewards us for obedience, for not doing things to please men, not being men pleasers. We're exhorted to do the same thing. Those servants do everything heartily as unto the Lord, not men pleasers. That servants, slaves, and uh, duyos is the Greek, slaves could be speaking of employees also. Don't do things just to be men pleasers. Here, don't do things to be men pleasers at all. Don't seek to please men. You, that may be a byproduct, but let, let it please God, your first and foremost responsibility. Our natural man, of which the scribes and the Pharisees and the chief priests and all of those who did these things, the, the hypocrites that he's speaking of, our natural man wants to do that to be seen of men, wants to be great that we may get the glory of men. They were entirely and wholly, with a W, given over to that desire. But the Lord Jesus exhorts his people to not be that way. The hypocrites are that way. Let us not be in that manner, and, the, and, the, and our Father will reward us openly. The Lord God does reward his people. Let, it, let us always keep that in mind. He always, but, he, but he not only does he reward, he chastens. He scourges. Come to Hebrews chapter 12. Now this is not something that is directly spoken of the Lord Jesus Christ, but these, the Lord Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words, plural, not, not, not his word, not the Bible, his words, plural, all the words of the Bible will not pass away. We have, we have his text here. We have his word, his words here. All of his words will not pass away. He has preserved them, Psalm 12, from that generation forward forevermore. We have his word. He has preserved it himself. This just like what the Lord Jesus spoke in his earthly ministry is just equally his words. He is the Lord God. He, these are his words, just as the words that he spoke in his earthly ministry. He, because of him, we have this book of Hebrews. If it wasn't for him, there would be no New Testament. There wouldn't even be a purpose for the Old Testament. Amen. He is the whole purpose. That 66 books that you're looking into has one author. While he was pleased to use many, many men, he, that he gave the words to and had them pin them. 
one author. It is the Lord God. These are things that he has declared, he has made known unto us. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 5. And ye have forgotten, this is a, an exhortation, ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as, ch- as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Citing Proverbs chapter 3 and verses 11 and 12. By the way, if I, haven't, if I haven't noted it before, the most practical book for this life that you will ever receive is right here. All 66 books of the Bible. But I, I, it's, it's, it's just intended to be read devotionally and cast to the side. Nonsense. It is the absolute most practical book that you, that, that you have to have in this life. It is the most practical book. And here is a practical portion of it. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Now the Lord loves his people, but we can many times be disobedient. We love the Lord and we desire to do what's right in his eyes, but do we do that all the time? Even the Apostle Paul didn't do it all the time. In Romans chapter 7, he talks about, I do the things that I don't want to do, and the things which I want to do, I don't do. He was a man just like us. He wasn't a, he wasn't a superman. There's only one Superman, and his name's, his name's Jesus. My, my son yesterday said, Batman's not a superhero. Jesus is a superhero. The Lord Jesus, he is the only superhero. Here, we love the Lord, and the Lord loves us, but what does he do? When we don't walk in his ways, when we do walk in his ways, he rewards us openly. He's happy to do so. He delights in that. But when we don't, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If ye endure chastening, if ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. But what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? Now remember, remember the, the exhortation, I said there may, may be some exhortation uh, that, that we receive through studying what our heavenly father does to us. Here, earthly fathers, let us take note of what it is that, that our heavenly father does to us. I, I see it all the time in our day, the, 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 idea of gentle parenting. Our Heavenly Father does not gentle parent us. He, he has a heavy hand. He, he does chasten and scourge us when we're not walking in His ways. Now, He does it for our benefit, as we'll see. He does it in love. He doesn't do it out of anger. He doesn't do it because He had a bad day at work. He does it because He loves us. If you endure, with, endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards, illegitimate children, not children of God, whereof all are partakers. All the children of God will undergo chastisement because we will not walk perfectly. We cannot. We still have that natural man. He, he, still, has, he, still, is, he still is there. He's been crucified, but he isn't dead. He isn't, he isn't completely gone. If he was completely gone, Paul wouldn't say, I have not attained to absolute perfection because our new man can't sin. He that's born of God cannot sin. Our new man that's created in, in righteousness and true holiness can't sin. It's sin that dwells in us. The, new, the old man, he's still there. It is he that still sins, not our new man. Furthermore, furthermore, 
We have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us and have given them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? He's talking about our Heavenly Father does all of these things. And should we, we should be in subjection under, under Him. And we will live. Not, not live. not live as in be born again. These are already born again people that He's talking about. Live solically in this life, walking in his ways, being obedient. It is, it, is a, 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 it is described as living. The Lord Jesus came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. He's not talking about what, what uh, uh, the Osteens and the, and the people of, of his ilk talk about. He's not talking about money. He's not talking about material wealth. He's talking about walking in obedience unto God and his word. That's what the Lord Jesus came that we might have. That we might have an understanding of who he is and what he has done. Amen. For they verily for a, for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. But he, the father, for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. That is the point of his chastening and his scourging. His making life difficult when we're walking in disobedience. So that we may be a partaker of his holiness. What a, a, a wonderful thing that he does for us. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous. Oh, it seems like a good thing. When we get, a, when as a child, if you got away with something, and I got away with a lot of things as a child, my parents are here, they can testify. It seems like a great thing. But it is bad. It is not a good thing. It seems to be joyous, but grievous. It is not a good thing. For, the child, for, for me to get away with things as a child that I shouldn't, shouldn't have gotten away with. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Now that's not their fault, me hiding it from them and they, and they never finding it out. I suffer for it, not, not them. So just, just, in case, just in case I gave the wrong idea. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. My, my, dad, my dad practiced this, as he can also attest. He disciplined, and I'm thankful for it. It is not, it is not something that I, that I uh, am, am ungrateful for. I realize that there was a point. There's a point to it. There is a point to the chastening and the scourging that the Father gives to us, that we may walk in his ways, that we may be a partaker of his holiness, that he does it for our profit. What a loving heavenly father we have that he he doesn't allow his his children to run amok how what a what a horrible uh, testimony that would be of his power if he allowed his children to run amok what is what does moses do whenever the lord says step aside i'm going to destroy israel and i'll make of you a great nation when they were disobedient in the wilderness when they when they tested him when they tempted him time and time and time again moses says if you do that, Egypt will say he was powerful enough to bring them out of Egypt, but he wasn't powerful enough to bring them into the promised land that he promised unto their fathers. He appeals to his holiness, to his righteousness, to his power, to his glory. He does the same thing for us. He doesn't allow us to, to run amok, and that is a good thing. We ought to be thankful, as, as it is described here, we ought to be thankful for that. Now let us, let's come back to the gospel according to Matthew, back to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6. He not only reveals 
to us the word of God, who the Lord Jesus Christ is and what he has done. Not only does he reward us for walking in his ways, of which it is him that works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure, we're told in the epistle to the Philippians. Uh, Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 12, Thou, speaking to God, hast wrought all our works in us. Not just a New Testament idea that the Lord God is the one who's at work in us to do, to both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It is him who does all of these things, and yet he gives us the reward. As we noted this morning, it will be, uh, it will be us that takes the crown that we receive, the crown of reward that we receive after this life, and we'll cast it at his feet. Because we know it wasn't us that earned those, it was him. It was him working through us to earn those rewards. Matthew 6 and verse 8. He also provides for our necessities. He provides our necessities, our needs in this life. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before you ask him. They were very concerned. The, the, uh, the, the heathen, we'll, we'll back up to verse 6. But thou when, thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, pray, pray in secret, that thy Father may reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions, vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Now that doesn't mean pray, when you're praying for something, pray one time and don't ever pray for it again. They think they, they would pray repetitions of that prayer, thinking that they will be heard because they prayed that prayer over and over and over again. You ever heard of the rosary? You ever heard of what the, what the Church of Rome teaches? You, you, pray, you pray this over and over and over again. Go pray seven Hail Marys. And you think that you'll be heard because of your much speaking. They don't actually believe the words that they're speaking. They just they, they think that, that they'll be heard because they say it so many times. God doesn't hear that. He does hear prayer that's prayed multiple times over and over and over again for a, for a purpose. For, for uh, You see it throughout the scriptures, asking for deliverance. He heard those prayers and he delivered them. But be not ye therefore like unto them, the heathen, for your father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. Then he gives the model prayer. Pray in this manner. Pray in this manner. Don't, we don't, our father knows what we have need of before we even ask him. Drop down to verse 32 of that same Matthew chapter 6. Verse 32. For all these things, that is food, that is clothing, that is uh, uh, the necessities of this life. Verse, verse 31. Therefore... Because God, God clothes the grass of the field, because uh, the flowers are more uh, uh, Solomon in all his glory wasn't arrayed like one of these flowers of the field, because the fowls of the air, they sow not, yet they, yet they eat. They, they, they don't reap a harvest, but they eat. They have food because the Father provides food for them. Therefore, because of all of those things, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? Don't be concerned. Don't be concerned about your necessities. We are going into, into a time, I think we're going to go into a recession. I'm not a prophet nor a son of a prophet, but I look at the signs of the times, and, and I think that that's where we're headed. Don't be concerned. Don't fret. Don't fear ye their fear. They would have you in fear. But our Father, who is in heaven, he will provide those necessities. For after all these things do the Gentiles or the pagans, the heathen, they seek. 
You and I are Gentiles according to the flesh. He's not talking about us that have been born again, come to an understanding of the truth. He's talking about the heathen, those that are outside. Those that are outside, they seek for all of those things. For your heavenly Father knoweth, present tense, that ye have need of all of these things. What are we to do instead? Instead of fretting, instead of being very concerned about where, where we're, what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, where we're go- what we're going to be clothed with, what are we going to do about our shelter, what are we going to do about gas? It doesn't matter if gas is $10 a gallon. This is our answer. Verse 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You serve God, you look, you look to him, he'll take care of the rest better than you ever could. He takes care of his children. He takes care of our necessities. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, or tomorrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Let us take no thought for those things. Our Heavenly Father will take care of all of those things. Matthew, Matthew 7 provides the, a similar exhortation. Ask and uh, those that ask receive and those who seek find. Ask according to his will, 1 John 5.18. If we ask anything according to his will, we know that he has heard us and we have our petition we desired of him. Psalm, Psalm 68, just as Hebrews is, is, the word of, is the word of the Lord Jesus Christ, so is the Psalms. Many of the Psalms speak directly of him. Psalm 68 is, is one of those texts I'd like for us to, to note very quickly. Psalm 68 in verse 5. Because there, there, be, there may be some that say, I don't, have, I don't have an earthly father that will do these things. Our heavenly father is that father. Psalm 68, 68 in verse 5. A father of the fatherless and a judge of the widows is God in his holy habitation. Those without fathers, those without earthly fathers, remember that. Our heavenly father is a, is a father to the fatherless and a judge, a, 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 uh, uh, not one that I'm going to judge the widow, one who, who uh, um, comes along, an advocate for the widow, one who gives justice to the widow. He is, our Lord God, is a father to the fatherless. He also protects his children. Matthew 18. Matthew 18 and verse 10. The Lord Jesus states here, Take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven their angels, you've heard of guardian angel? Guardian angel, singular, isn't true. Guardian angels, plural, is true. Their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. His, his Father, our Heavenly Father, protects children. And, and uh, it, is, it is not a good thing should one cause them to stumble or to perish. Verse 14, Even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. It is not his desire that that happens. Those that cause that to happen, it would be better for them to have a millstone tied about their neck and them to be cast into the deep. I wish our nation would understand that. You see in the, at the end of the book of the Revelation that that same thing happens to one of the, I can't remember which Babylon, but a millstone 
uh, is cast about its neck and it's cast into the sea. There's a big, big wave, a big heaping wave that's described in that, in that passage because that Babylon did not like children. It, it, it had the souls of the blood of the souls of the poor innocents all, all about it. John 14, not only does he protect children he, that he desires children to live and in many cases protects them, but he also comforts and strengthens his own children. John 14, the Lord Jesus gives here that, that he will send another comforter. John 14 and verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Now another comforter, one of the same type of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ was a comforter. Not, not a big blanket that you put over, over your bed that makes you feel warm and fuzzy at night. Comfort has the idea of strength, strengthener behind it. The Lord Jesus Christ was not always warm and fuzzy. He, he described himself as meek and lowly. But you see in Matthew 23 that, that he, was, he, had a, he had a righteous indignation. He had anger about him. He was not happy with, with what, what they had turned his father's house into. Uh, how many times did he clear the temple? He cleared it twice. First time with, with whips. Not, not, not the Lord Jesus that is preached today, I understand. But the word of God doesn't, doesn't many times line up with what is popular in the day. John, John 14 and 16, the Lord Jesus Christ is a strengthener of one type. And, and the Holy Spirit, the other, another comforter is who the Father would send. He comforts and strengthens his people through the Holy Spirit. Verse 26, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. That is the Holy Spirit. He would send it to comfort, to strengthen his people, that they, that they may understand uh, all the word of God and bring to their remembrance whatsoever the Lord Jesus had said that was uh, re- referring to to uh, referring to the scriptures that the Lord that is then written for us so the father he reveals he rewards he chastens he provides our needs he protects children and he even comforts and strengthens us very quickly Come to Ephesians chapter 5. I said that there may be some exhortation for us earthly fathers. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1. Be ye followers, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Followers. Uh, this, this Greek word mimites, where we get our word mimic. Do like he does. It's... Uh, Fathers are given specific exhortations, encouragements. Walk this way. Not commands. Not you must do this because I say so. Walk out of love and desire to obey the Lord God who has saved you. Who has bought you. Who has purchased you. Redeemed you out from the slavery of sin. And and, uh, purchased you with his own blood. He died on your behalf. Follow God, walk in his ways as dear children. Dear, beloved children. Is not the Lord Jesus described as his beloved son in whom he's well pleased? He walked in his his father's ways all the days of his life. 
from an infant all the way to death. He despised the death of a cross, but he was obedient unto death, even that death of a cross. Just as the Father reveals to his children things concerning the Word of God, we cannot reveal to our children the truth of the Word of God, but we are exhorted to teach them, to instruct them, to guide them. Come to Colossians chapter 3. Chapter 3, we'll get, we'll get many, many of what our Heavenly Father does and just a couple of exhortations for time's sake. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 21. Not 2 and 21, 3 and 21. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Don't provoke them to anger. Don't, make, don't intentionally make them angry because they're little and it's funny. They'll be discouraged. They won't, they won't understand why you're doing that. And it may, it, it may cause them to err. So what are we supposed to do instead? I know we were just in the epistle to the Ephesians, but come back. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but what are we supposed to do? A contrast. What are we supposed to do instead? Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Instead of provoking them to anger, instead of making fun of them and thinking it's funny, and now you can have fun with your children. There's a difference. But don't provoke them to anger. Instead, bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. This, nur- this word nurture, pehedia, it is, it is more than just, uh, oh, you're, you're doing so good, Billy. You just, you just keep right on going. It is, uh, it is much more than that. It is instruction. It is, it is nurture. It is chastening. It's the same word translated chasten in Hebrews chapter 12. It, has, it is a full, uh, it is the whole training and cultivation of children. From the ground up. From the foundation. You lay the foundation for your children. Don't leave that to somebody else. You have been entrusted with them. This is not somebody else's job. If uh, our Father doesn't, doesn't allow somebody else to lay our foundation, He has given it to us right here. You're holding it in your hand, whether it be your phone or whether it be a, a paper Bible. We ought not to let somebody else lay that foundation for our children either. This, and this admonition is exhortation or encouragement. This provides, also provides comfort and strengthening. It has the, the whole idea of teaching, of comfort, of strength, of strengthening just as God does for us. It is a full, imbi- full uh, the full body of training your children. Proverbs chapter 22, just to show you where, where this is found in some, uh, in some places in the Old Testament. In the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Hebrew Scriptures. Proverbs 22 and verse 15. I understand that this text will not be popular today. It is not popular today. 22 and verse 15. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. Do you have to teach a child to be foolish? I didn't have to teach my children to lie. My parents didn't have to teach me how to lie or how to walk, how to be disobedient. The, the, uh, Vadi Bakum is a, is a very good preacher in this regard. He, he points out that the stiff back, it comes early. The puffed out chest, it comes early. He, uh, the, the children don't have to be taught how to disobey. It's natural. 
It's natural. It's already in us. In sin did my, did my mother conceive me, David describes. It's not talking about the act of conception. It's talking about the state of being. He was already in sin when he was conceived. He was already a sinful. He, he in Adam, just like all of us. We sinned in Adam. Just like, he, just, just, just like David describes himself there. When Adam sinned, we all sinned. All, every single one of us. That act of disobedience plunged us all into death. Death by sin is described in, in Romans chapter 5. But here in verse 15, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. It's already there. We don't have to teach it. But the rod of correction, the rod of chastisement, the rod of pehadia, pedia, excuse me, that's how, that's how you describe it. I don't speak Greek, but that's the same word here in the Septuagint. Same word. The rod of correction, the rod of chastisement, the rod of instruction shall drive it far from him. That is the reason for the rod of correction. It's not, it's not to, because you're angry. It's because you want that child to walk, not in foolish, not in foolish ways, not in foolishness. Just the next chapter, verse 13, withhold not correction, same word, from the child. For if thou beatest, now this is not how we would, this is not the same term that we use today. It's not, it's, it's not a wailing. It's not with all of your might. That is not what it's talking about. Old English is different than modern English. We've changed, we've changed the language. So understand, it's just talking about spanking a child. Him with the rod. If you spank him with the rod, he shall not die. He'll act like it. He'll act like it. Just, just a, a flick of the wrist and, and, and my children are, oh, oh, that hurt so bad. No, it didn't. No, it didn't. But they will act like it. But here the word of God assures us they're, they're not going to die, though they act like it. Thou shalt beat him or, or spank with the rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell. Sheol, and the grave, is, is the, or Hades is the Greek term. You will deliver his soul. If a child walks in utter disobedience to the word of God, he won't live out half his days, the word of God tells us. God knows exactly when he's going to take everybody. Half his days is to us. It looks like he won't live out half his days. It here, you will deliver his soul from the grave. He won't die early. He'll live a long life being, being, walking in those ways. Train up a child in the, way, in the way they should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. The previous, the, the, the previous chapter 22 and verse uh, 6 states, it is not, uh, this exhortation is not easy. It isn't, it isn't always fun, but it is, it is what we have been exhorted to do. It is how we ought to raise our children. Our Father does the same to us. And when we don't do that for our children, we're walking in disobedience. He does it to us until, until these things, uh, until these things are made, made, uh, made to click. Made, to, made for us to understand, just as he also provides our necessities. That is what we, earthly fathers, are exhorted to do. 1 Timothy 5 and 8. 1 Timothy 5 and 8. But if any provide not for his own, fathers, his own, not her own, not their own, his own, and, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith, and is worse than an infidel, an unbeliever. 
provide for your own for your own house, fathers. It is it is what we are exhorted to do. Now there may be hard times, but that it's still our exhortation. What what we are instructed to to do. Just as he protects not only children, but also his children, as we see many times, he has delivered his children out of many things. My previous message a few, three, four weeks ago, we described how children are a gift, are, are a possession of God. First, uh, Psalm 127, verse 3, children are an heritage, a possession of the Lord. That word is elsewhere translated possession, inheritance, and heritage. They are a possession of the Lord, and they are given to us as a reward. They are given to us as a gift. He protects children. If we see children as a gift from him, we will protect them also. They are a gift from him. We ought to protect them with our lives. And we understand that that is... Uh, what our exhortation is to do as fathers. And we have a heavenly father who is not absent, who is very near. He is not far from us. He is very close to us, a very present help in times of trouble. Never forget that. Never forget that our father, is he is very near. And he is one who reveals the word of God to us. He is one who rewards us for walking in his ways. He is one who chastens us when we do not. He instructs us, he disciplines us for our profit, that we may grow, that we may be a a partaker of his holiness. He is one that provides our necessities. He's the one who provides our needs, and he provides many of our wants. Many of the things that we desire, wants in the scriptures is always talking about a lack of something. We've changed it into something that we desire. He provides many of the things that we desire above and beyond our needs, and he is one that protects children, protects us, and he comforts and he strengthens us to do what he has called us to do. Let us walk, let us be fathers, just like he is to us, to our children, all for his glory and for his honor and for walking in, in, in his ways. May he be pleased to work that in us. Let's bow before him this morning. Our Father and our God, we thank you. For your word, we thank you for how...